The most severe type of impurity that exists is a dead human body. This is called Avi Avaisatuma, literally the father of the fathers of impurity. And there is nothing else that is considered to be more impure than a dead human body itself. That having been said, there are certain stringencies that exist with other impurities that come from other sources that do not apply to a dead body. For example, Hazov the Hazova, a Zov who is a man who experiences certain substances exiting his male organ for at least two days consecutively, and a Zova is a woman who experiences blood exiting her uterus, her womb, during the 11-day period after having been a Nida for a week. The Hanida, this is of course a woman from whose uterus blood comes out, not during those 11 days. The Hayoledes, a woman who has given birth, the Hamatsaira, and a man or a woman who have Tsara'as, which is a particular disease on the skin, which is generally caused as a result of sinning. It comes as a punishment, be it as it may, it would make a person Tomei. These five types of people, although a Zov and a Zova could possibly be counted as one, the male and the female, they are all in one category with regards to their status of impurity, and often they are known as Zov Vachaveirov, which literally means a Zov and his friends, his companions, because they are all in the same category, and it could be we might talk about a Zov, but the same would apply to the others who have just been mentioned. One thing that is common with all of these types of impurities is the transfer of Tumas Midras, which is when a Zov or any of the others who were just mentioned, if they sit or lie down, the point is their weight is supported by something whose purpose is designated for the supporting the weight of a person. For example, a bed. The purpose of a bed is for a person to lie on, which includes holding the weight of the person. Or a chair. If a Zov were to sit on an item like that, then it becomes Tome on the same level as the Zov himself. The Zov is on the level of an Av which is a high primary level of impurity, and the chair and bed become Tommy like that as well. Not only that, but if a different person who is pure lies down on the bed after that, even if he doesn't have any contact with the bed, he would still become Tommy. This is a unique concept of Tumas Midras. Not only that, but there is an additional stringency that applies specifically to Zov Vachaveirov, the people who are in this category of impurity, and that is known as Evan Masoma. Evan Masoma literally refers to a very heavy, large rock that is not really meant to be moved. It's almost fixed in its place due to its heavy weight. And although there are many things that become Tome when one carries them, in general that's only true if we are really able to see the person as carrying that item. For example, a dead animal. If somebody carries that, even without touching it, he becomes Tome. But if there was if a person managed to get his hand underneath this very, very heavy rock, if let's say the rock was being held up by something and there is a piece of a dead animal on top of the rock, and a person places his hand underneath the rock. It's obvious that over there, he is not carrying that item that's on top of the rock. However, with regards to a Zov, and those who are on the same level as him, we would view it in that case as if he is carrying the person. If there is a Zov on top of the rock, and somebody else places his hand underneath the rock as if he is carrying the rock and that which is on top of it, in such a case, he would become Tommy. Likewise, if a bed was underneath that rock directly, there was no airspace in between the bed and the rock, and a Zov lay down on top of the rock. So we would view that as if he is laid down on the bed itself. 
even though the weight of the person is totally negligible and insignificant because of the heavy rock that is there anyway, with regards to this category of people, we would view it as if his weight is being supported and there is significance in his weight being there, as if it's being supported by the bed, such that the bed would become an avatuma, and if somebody else were to touch it later on or lie down on it, he would become Tomei. The Mishnah says that these five people that we listed earlier on, Shemesu, once they die, Mitamin Bemasa, they can transfer their impurity via Masa. Masa in general refers to a tumor transfer that occurs by carrying it. But over here we're not referring to just a regular Tumas Masa, because that applies to every dead body. Over here we're referring to something that applies specifically to one of these five people once they die, and that is this impurity that we just described called Evan Masama. But we ignore the fact that this heavy rock makes the Zov's weight insignificant, and rather we do consider it to be significant, and the Mishnah is coming to teach that not only when the person is alive and he is a Zov does that apply, but even once they die, the same will still apply. Until his flesh decomposes, decays, at which point this stringency will no longer apply, and this is something that does not apply to a regular dead body, because it's something it's a stringency specific to these five people. Now, the truth is, this is only true Midrabonah. Midrabonah, once he is dead, he has no longer got the status of a Zov or a Nidor. All of these impurities specifically apply to someone who is still alive and in that particular state. Nevertheless, Midrabonon, because the Chachomim were afraid that people would confuse a Zov or the other ones who were mentioned who had fainted with a Zov who has actually died, they decreed that as long as it's not totally clear that he is dead, if the body hasn't yet decomposed or begun to decay at least, and so the person can be confused with a Zov who has fainted, so because of that concern, they would still have that impurity as if they were still alive. However, since this is a decree Midrabonon, Nochrishames, a non-Jew who dies, even though it's true that Midrabonon, a non-Jew, is considered to be a Zov, we don't apply both of these decrees Midrabonon to a non-Jew. Since anyway the whole reason that a non-Jew is considered to be a Zov is only Midrabonon, we limit it to when the non-Jew is alive, but once the non-Jew has died, we no longer consider him to be a Zov. So Tohar, Militami Bumaso, he would be considered pure as far as this impurity of Evan Masoma is concerned. The second half of the Mishnah discusses an additional decree Midrabonon. All women, when they die, are considered to be like a Nidor. If a woman dies as a Nidor, then anything, any clothes that she had touched, as long as she was a Nidor, we would purify in a mikveh, because they would have become Tomei by having contact with the Tomei Nidor woman. The Mishnah is saying that any woman who dies, we view her as if she was a Nidor, and that means that any clothes that she would have touched recently, close to the time that she died, we would also purify those. And the reason for this is because the situation became such that Nidos who were alive, when they saw that a woman who died as a Nidor together with all of the preparations for the burial, they also made sure to purify her clothes, and it became pretty public and clear that that is what they were doing. And the situation was that a difference was being made between a woman who died as a Nidor and a woman who was not a Nidor, and women who were alive and were a Nidor would feel a bit of a sense of embarrassment that there was this clear distinction between a Nidor and a non-Nidor, and because of that, 
Midrabbanon, they decreed that any woman, we would purify those things that she had touched even before she died. Obviously, that which she touched after she died, would that, that which had contact with the dead woman, would become Tomei, by virtue of the fact that she's a dead woman. But even the things that she touched before, while she was still alive, close to the time of death, we would also purify those in order to get rid of that distinction being made between a woman who was a nidda and one who wasn't, in order that women who were alive and were a nidda wouldn't get embarrassed. Obeisillam and Obeisillam say there is no concern for this at all, and therefore a nidda elashamesa nidda, only a woman who actually dies as a nidda is considered to be a nidda, and we would purify the clothes that she touched as long as she was a nidda in order to purify them. But essentially Obeisillam argue against Obeisillam's concern. Some do learn that Beisillel don't argue on the entire decree that Beishamai are talking about, but we're going to understand the simple explanation of the Mishnah as we explained. Mishnah Hey, as we mentioned in the previous Mishnah, uh, according to the strict letter of the law, once a person who has a type of tumor, for example, they're a zov or they're a nidor, the entire concept of a person being a zov or a nidor only applies as long as they are alive. Once they die... On a Torah level, they are no longer considered to be Tome because of that. Although, of course, they are Tome with the most severe type of impurity, that of a dead body itself. Ha'isha Shemesa, a woman who dies, and the Yotzmena Revius Dom, after she dies, a Revius of blood, a quarter of a loig, which is a particular volume of blood, exits her uterus, her womb. That blood is not Tome because it's blood that came out of a nidda, because she's not considered to be a nidda. It exited her body after she died, and at that point, she is not considered to be a nidda. Nevertheless, metamo mishum kesem, it is, the blood is a source of impurity, like a bloodstain. What the Mishnah seems to be implying is that it's not Tome because of, like, like regular blood that comes out of a nidda. That's Tome by the mere fact that it is blood that came out of a nidda. Over here, it's not considered to be blood of a nidor. Nevertheless, according to the opinion of this Mishnah, the uterus itself is considered to be a source of impurity, and there is a halacha of Moshe Sinai, a special tradition that we have going back to Moshe Rabbeinu that he received at Har Sinai, that states that the blood that touches the uterus, the womb, and of course the blood that came out of the womb obviously touched it, that is Tome on the same level as the uterus itself. So just like the uterus is an Av the blood that comes out of it is also on that level of an Av This is unlike the regular rules of impurity, that something which becomes Tome becomes Tome on a lower level than the source of its impurity. However, there are certain exceptions, and the Halacha Sinai states that this is one of the exceptions. Be it as it may, because of this, even though the blood did not come out of a woman who has the status of a Nidah, the blood is still Tomei on the level of an Avhatuma by virtue of the fact that it came from the womb. And just like the blood that comes out of a Nidah is a source of impurity regardless of how small the amount of blood is, so too this blood that came from the uterus, Umatama Bo'ohel, the Mishnah adds that since it happens to be that there is a quarter of a loig of blood over here, which is a significant volume of blood, it also would transfer its impurity via Tomas Oihel, that means that anything that's underneath the same roof as it will become Tomei, because it's considered to be a part of the dead body. And the dead body's impurity can be transferred via Tomas Oihel, but it has to be that there's at least a quarter of a loig of it for that to be the case. But for something to become Tommy by touching it or by carrying it, it's sufficient for it to be even a very minute amount. 
Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, he argues on this concept, and he says, it is not considered to be a source of impurity because of the fact that it came from the womb, because it only came out of the womb after she died, and she's no longer considered to be a nidah. Rabbi Yehuda argues against the fact that there was a halacha in Sinai stating otherwise. And the only impurity that would exist is the fact that it is part of the dead body, so if there is a quarter of a leg of it, then it would be a source of impurity. Umid Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda agrees be a Shevas al-Mashber concerning a woman who was sitting on the birth stool of Umesa and she died during childbirth. The Yotzim Amen is Dom and a quarter of a leg of blood exited her womb. In this case, that would be the blood would be a source of impurity by virtue of the fact that it came from the womb, since it is assumed that at least a part of the blood came out of her body while she was still alive. This is called Dam Tavusa, which is blood that contains partly blood that came out of a person while they were still alive, and part of it came out while the per- after the person died. There is a doubt whether which the majority is, whether the majority of the blood came out while she was still alive or not, since there's at least a chance that that is the case, so this is called Dam Tavusa, and it would have the stringencies of blood that came out after the person died. But since at least a part of it is assumed to have exited her body while she was still alive, it would have the stringency of Nidor blood in that it is a source of impurity, even if there is less than a quarter of a loig. Um, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi, however, argues and he says that Therefore, it would not be a source of impurity which can be transferred via Thomas Oihel. That means that things that are underneath the same roof will become Tomei. Because according to Rabbi Yossi, it's assumed that the majority of the blood came out of her body before she died. So it's considered to be like regular Nidor blood, whose impurity cannot be transferred to things that are underneath the same roof, and a, only if a person touches or carries it will they become Tomei. To summarize, on the one hand, blood that comes from a Nidor, blood that is considered to be Nidor blood, has a stringency in that even the most minute amount is a source of impurity. On the other hand, blood from a human dead body has a stringency in that it transfers its impurity to anything that's underneath the same roof as it. However, it would only do so if it is at least the volume of a quarter of a leg. Mishnevov, when a woman gives birth, she is Tomei for a week or two weeks, depending on whether she gave birth to a boy or a girl, and following that week or two weeks of being Tomei, she would go to the mikveh, and for the next 33 days, if it was a baby boy, or 66 days, if it was a baby girl, she has a similar status to a tavul yoim. A tavul yoim refers to somebody who has been Tomei, and in order to purify themselves, they are required to go to the mikveh. And once they go to the mikveh, although they are considered to be purified for the most part, they are not considered to be fully pure until the end of that day, until the beginning of, until nightfall. And the level of their impurity is relatively low. It's on the level of a sheni latuma, which is two levels below the primary of hatuma level. And the status of a woman who has given birth during those 33 or 66 days, she has the status like a tavul yoim. And that means that she's forbidden to touch the meat of carbonice or truma. Sanctified foods like that would become Tomei if they are touched by a Shani Latuma. And since she has that level of impurity, so she, w- she would not be able to touch those things because it's forbidden to make those things Tomei. Originally, the Chachomim said that the law is a woman who literally is sitting on pure blood. This refers to that 33 or 66 day period during which she has the status of a tavulyoim. 
The reason why it's called pure blood is because when blood exits her uterus, her womb, during those days, she does not become Tome as a Nidor or a Zava, like we learned earlier on in the Masechta. Be as it may, the Mishnah says, a woman who is during that period of 33 or 66 days, she would be able to pour water from a container, and that water could be used for washing an animal that would be used as a Korm Pesach, the sacrifice that is brought the afternoon before Pesach, as long as she does not touch the water itself. The point of the Mishnah is that a kli, a container, can never become Tome from a Sheni Latumar. Only sanctified foods and liquids, like the water, for example, that could become Tome from a Sheni Latumar. But if she only touches the container and she just pours the water out, she doesn't touch the water itself, then the water will remain pure, and there's no problem with that. Now, the truth is, the water itself has not got the status of carbonice. It's not a sacrifice itself. Nevertheless, they treated it with the same level of stringencies as carbonice, as sacrifices themselves. This was a stringency. Be it as it may, Chazruloimar, later on, the Chachomim changed the law, and they said that firstly, anything that is not technically speaking the carbonice themselves, the sacrifices themselves, we are not strict with regards to those things. So technically speaking, if she were to touch the water, there would be no problem. However, they did add a stringency on the other hand, and they said, With regards to the carbonis, the kodshim, the sacrifices themselves, she has the status like somebody who has touched a person who became tome from a dead body. That person who became Tommy from a dead body has a level of an Avhatoma, and one who touches that person is on the level of a Rishon Latoma, which is one level lower than an Avhatoma. So even though, according to the strict letter of the law, her status is that of a Tavul Yoim, which means that she is a Shein Latoma, two levels lower down in relation to an Avhatoma, the Chachomim decreed that her level of impurity is going to be a Rishon Latoma, which is one level above that. Now, in terms of the case that the Mishnah talked about, this means that she would be able to pour the water and even touch the water. Because the water itself is not kodshim, it's not the sacrifice, and because of that, the entire rabbinic stringency doesn't apply, so she has the status of a shenila tomar, and she's not able to make that water tome. Hillel, this is all the words, the opinion of this Hillel. Beishamim and Beishamai say that the level that the Chachomim gave her is not just the level of a Rishon but Afkit Meis. They even said that she's got the status of somebody who touched a dead body, which means that she is an Av Midrabonon, which is two levels higher than what she would be according to the strict letter of the law, Midraisa, according to the Torah. Mishnah Zion, this Mishnah is going to show that even after the Chachamim decreed that a woman during the 33 or 66 days after the initial week or two that she was Tommy after childbirth, so they decreed that she's not only on the level of a Tavul Yoim, which means that she's a Shein Latuma, but rather she is either a Rishain or a Av Hatuma, depending on the opinions in the previous Mishnah. However, for certain things, the decree does not apply. Like the previous mission already mentioned, that specifically with regards to the sacrifices, the carbonis, they made this decree. But Umoidim, both Rishana and Basil agree, she, she is allowed to eat Meiser Sheni, which is one of the tithes that one needs to separate from his produce. And there is a requirement to make sure that Meiser Sheni does not become Tome, and one is not allowed to eat it whilst he is Tome. However, a Tavul Yoim is allowed to, and likewise, she would be permitted to eat Meiser Sheni. The Koitzalochala, 
She's also allowed to separate challah. Challah is the portion of dough that one is obligated to separate and give to a koyain. And the status of challah is very much comparable and equivalent to the status of truma. And a shenula truma that touches truma does make it tome. So it's forbidden for her to touch challah. However, she's able to cut off the portion of dough that she's going to designate as challah. And then she should put it into a container... And once it's in a container, then umakefes, she should bring that container next to the rest of the dough, the kerala shame, and then pronounce that and, and declare that piece of dough to be challah. There's a requirement that when one declares a piece of dough to be challah, it needs to be done close to the rest of the batch. This is known as minhamukov, it needs to be next to it. But the point is that once it's declared to be challah, she doesn't touch it at all, and so she would not make it tome. Before it has the the, the status of challah, it can't become tome just from a shenil tumah. Alright, continues the Mishnah. Even though a zov or a nidor and people in that category of impurity, any liquid that comes out of their body is considered to be an avhatumah. However, the liquids that come and are produced by the body of a tavul yoim are not tome. So the Mishnah says this also applies to this woman, if any of her saliva or the blood that comes out of her, which is certainly not nida or zova blood, because that's the unique thing about these 33 or 66 days, but the blood that exits her womb is not considered to be nida or zova blood, but I might have thought that it should have the impurity of a liquid that came from a tommy person, but this does not apply to a tavulyoim, and the Mishnah says that likewise, Shu Tohar, these liquids that came from her would also be pure. Alright, now the third part of this Mishnah, Beishamayim and Beishamay say, she needs to immerse herself fully in the mikveh at the end of the 33 or 66 days. She does not need to go to the mikveh again at the end of that period of time because she already went at the end of the first week or second week during which she was tome and she was already purified from there. The reason why Bishamai argue is because Midrabonon were concerned that since she went to the mikveh such a long time ago, it's very possible that during this... 33 or 66 day period she was less careful to avoid impurity and to make sure that she remains pure and therefore before she eats truma after the 33 or 66 days when she becomes permitted to eat truma midrabanon but shall i say that she would need to go to the mikveh again beforehand